everybody. It's Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of 2020 iTalk. This is a podcast which offers cutting-edge information on how to take care of your eyes holistically. So I offer a lot of natural remedies and protocols on how to improve your vision at any age, how to improve your brain health, your systemic and metabolic health, and get more out of life. So I'm really excited to be here today. We've got a great show. I thought what I would do today is I would uh, offer some answers to some questions that I've been getting on my email and through Facebook. So let's jump right in. So I want to read a question. This is from a gentleman who lives in New York. He's 58 years old, and he says, Dear Dr. Byrne, I was just diagnosed with a condition called PVD. I'm getting lots of flashing lights and floaters. I went to my ophthalmologist, and he did a dilated retinal exam, and he said I have this PVD condition, and it's benign. And there's nothing really to do about it. Okay, well, let's jump into what a PVD is. And let's see if we can offer this gentleman some help. So PVD, it stands for a posterior vitreous detachment. And so what this means is that the vitreous part of the eye, this is the jelly-like part of the eye, that's behind the lens of the eye and in front of the retina, Um, and it's made mostly of gel, the vitreous begins to pull away from the retina. Now, there's some research out there that says that actually over 75% of people over the age of 65 will experience a PVD in their life. And it usually starts with an increase in the number of floaters that you have, And these are the specks that kind of float in front of your vision. They um, originate in the jelly-like part of the eye. And another symptom that you might get is blurred vision. You might actually even experience a dark curtain that comes over your eyes and maybe even small flashing lights. This is where the vitreous begins to tug on the retina because the retina is made up of photoreceptors. These are retina cells where where they capture the light. And um, so when the vitreous is pulling and tugging on the retina, this can create the flashes. Uh, Some other things that people will experience are things called cobwebs. So these little black uh, specks start to fall in front of the eye and uh, you know it's good to get a it's really good to get a a uh, dilated fundus exam to make sure you don't have a retinal detachment and that's really important to rule out so if you are getting flashing lights i would immediately make an appointment with your eye doctor and uh, get a get a full retinal exam eye pressure check and make sure that you don't have glaucoma or retinal detachment but in terms of PVD, let's, let's look at some of the causative factors. Uh, first of all, age is one. Second is diabetes. So if you suffer diabetes, uh, there's a tendency to develop more um, PVDs than if you don't have diabetes. 
Also, the PVD can occur, actually goes all the way back to prenatal development. These are pre-birth cells that never fully dissolved in the eye, especially in the vitreous area. And, uh, you know, the eye is one of the the earliest tissues that starts to develop in the embryo. And uh, so the vitreous sometimes will carry these pre-birth cells, and this can begin the start of, um, of the PVD later in life. Obviously, eye trauma, myopia. So if you have a, a moderate to high amount of nearsightedness, uh, higher risk of PVD. Kidney uh, congestion. So in acupuncture, uh, doctors of oriental medicine have found that people with vitreous problems or PVDs may have some kidney congestion. This would be the kidney lung meridian. Sometimes acupuncture can actually really help eye health. So, you know, talk to your acupuncturist uh, about that connection because definitely there is there is a um, a thread, a connector between our acupuncture meridians and our eye health. Uveitis is another inflammatory condition that that occurs more in the front part of the eye. But the uveitis is an inflammation that actually can be quite serious. And what begins to happen in the um, uveitis condition is that, first of all, there can be an autoimmune component. Second of all, because of the inflammatory nature of uveitis, it creates Uh, congestion, cells and flare, um, particles that then sometimes can move into the vitreous. And so it creates an overall um, inflammatory response, both in the anterior chamber, the front part of the eye, and the posterior chamber. This is where the vitreous is. And so any inflammatory response is going to create more risks in terms of getting uh, the PVD. I would also say pharmaceutical drugs. You want to go through the list of drugs that you're taking. Uh, So things like um, oral antibiotics, steroids, and even the uh, non-steroidal inflammatory drugs. I've talked about those in other uh, videos and podcasts. Uh, You want to really check that out in terms of what you're taking because that can change the integrity of the eye tissue, especially the vitreous. I would say getting cataract surgery. Sometimes after cataract surgery, you're more susceptible to the vitreous uh, kind of pulling away from the retina. So you want to be aware of that. Even LASIK surgery. Uh, I'm seeing more and more people have had LASIK surgery and afterwards uh, they're developing PVDs. And then uh, the last one is probably stress, visual stress definitely starts pulling on the eye tissue, and this can create um, all kinds of problems in terms of changing the circulation in the eyes. Okay, so in terms of the standard medical care for this man and for others with this diagnosis, there are many things that you can do to at least reduce the symptoms and sometimes even change the situation. Okay, number one, it's really important that you take um, a really concentrated amount of antioxidants. There have been so many studies out there. Um, Recently, I just spoke about the ARID study. This was an age-related macular uh, degeneration study that was done back in 2001, which said vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, copper, uh, really important for um, eye health. 
2006, there was the ARIDS-2 study, and instead of using beta-carotene, uh, because if you're a smoker, beta-carotene gives you a higher risk of lung cancer, substitute with the carotenoids lutein and zeaxanthin. So you should be getting yourself on a really high-potency I vitamin that contains lutein, zeaxanthin, um, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, selenium, selenium, chromium, um, taurine, bilberry. Uh, I would really add omega-3 fish oil. This is another very important um, <clears throat> component for overall eye health. Because you see what happens in the PVD, the integrity of the tissue of the eye, there's oxidative, oxidative stress that begins to accumulate. There could be a, a secondary inflammatory response going on. And there's lower hydration in the eye. So the eye is not getting hydrated like it used to. Uh, so, in addition to the antioxidants, I would add MSM eye drops. <clears throat> Those are wonderful in terms of oxygenating and hydrating, reducing inflammation, sometimes even reducing some of the symptoms around the floaters. <clears throat> I would also take a look at things like heavy metal toxicity in your body uh, and maybe doing some kind of a detoxification, working with a functional medicine doctor, improving, increasing your probiotics and uh, reducing any inflammatory response in the gut because any inflammatory response in the gut can have a echo of <clears throat> connection both in the eyes and the brain. So high levels of probiotics, reducing the inflammatory response, uh, fish oils, and then finally my eye exercises. So I would include things like palming, sunning, uh, eye massage, uh, swinging. <clears throat> These are all really, really great uh, in terms of improving the eye circulation, Re, um, improving the lymph function and detoxing, getting the metabolic waste out of the eye because part of what's going on with the floaters and the interface between the vitreous and the retina is there's probably some metabolic waste that's been accumulating there. And we know that as we start oxygenating and hydrating our eyes better, that actually what begins to happen is that uh, the metabolic waste is removed. So I hope that's helpful for this gentleman. Uh, there's definitely a lot of things that you can do to improve your vitreous health and overall eye circulation. Okay, I received another question. This is a woman who's 47 years old. She was diagnosed with fourth nerve cranial palsy. And this is a condition <clears throat> that causes double vision, especially when you look down. So you're going to get a lot of double vision when you're reading. <clears throat> now, in terms of what are some of the causes of fourth nerve palsy? Well, first of all, I would look at endocrine function, especially the thyroid. You know, folks, there is a really strong connection between our thyroid health and our eye health. And Conditions like dry eye syndrome or double vision, uh, many times they have their roots in uh, imbalances, either a low thyroid or Hashimoto's disease. Uh, so uh, really uh, monitor your thyroid health if you start getting some eye conditions. Uh, 
Okay, the second reason why you might be developing fourth nerve palsy is something called myasthenia gravis. And so any kind of neurological, neurodegenerative condition, this could also be things like Parkinson's disease or, um, you know, any of the neurodegenerative diseases that, that um, you know, we're afflicted with, this can have a direct effect on the eye muscles and especially the fourth nerve, which controls part of the eye muscles that help us uh, keep our eyes in a horizontal fashion. So usually in the fourth nerve palsy, there's a vertical split in the eyes, and this creates um, the double vision situation. I would also take a look at any traumatic brain injury, car accidents, eye traumas, sometimes even emotional trauma can bring this on. I also have found there's a connection between fourth nerve palsy and heavy metal toxicity. So things like mercury, lead, magnesium, um, you want to get a test, um, again, going to a functional medicine doctor who can test your urine. That's probably the best way to see what is going on in terms of heavy metal uh, influence. So in terms of what to do for fourth nerve palsy, so once you rule out you know, things like tumors and uh, neurodegenerative diseases, I think number one, um, one of the things that I like to use is something called therapeutic prism glasses. Now, this is very different than a, t a conventional eye doctor that prescribes a prism for one eye to try to force the eyes into a fixed position. That doesn't work very well. But I want to bring in my experience way back when I started my first practice uh, and I was practicing in Philadelphia and I contacted one of the local hospitals. <clears throat> this was the outpatient clinic where people suffered traumatic brain injury and they had double vision. And the physiatrist there said, we would love to have you because your approach works with physical therapy for the eyes. That's very novel. Uh, and in that approach, I developed uh, a series of therapeutic prisms that actually increase the spatial awareness in our eyes by looking through these prisms. So what it does is it actually opens up our peripheral vision. And one of the keys in reducing double vision is opening up your peripheral vision so there's more opportunity of the two eyes beginning to overlap the visual fields. And in that particular experience working in the TBI clinic, and I ended up getting contracts with um, many hospitals in that area, I began to develop ways to use these therapeutic prisms. They're actually called yoked prisms, Y-O-K-E-D. And it's basically the same prism power in each eye to encourage the eyes to have a bigger spatial window to look through. So that would be one technique I would use. Another technique I would use would be using different physical therapy eye exercises to help retrain and reprogram the two eyes to work together. Because the eyes and the brain, basically the eyes are an extension of the brain, so the eyes then um, have the capability to improve and regenerate uh, because of the neuroplasticity capability, that if you start doing vision uh, therapy exercises that improve the skill of being able to focus your eyes and coordinate your eyes together, many times you can overcome 
the palsy, the weakness in the eye muscle, because actually it's the brain that directs the eye muscles. So it isn't about strengthening or exercising the eye muscle. It's about having the brain get a better connection of how to aim and point both eyes together. And there's some wonderful physical therapy eye exercises that, that can do that. I would also increase with uh, antioxidants. Uh, some of my go-tos would be magnesium, uh, chromium, selenium, uh, taurine, bilberry, uh, quercetin, uh, and of course, lutein, zeaxanthin, vitamin C, vitamin E, omega-3 fish oil. All of these things can definitely help improve the integrity and the innervation of the eye muscles. And lastly, um, this gets into some manual body work. I recommend something called craniosacral therapy. And this is a, a therapy that osteopaths uh, do this therapy. Also now physical therapists and occupational therapists. I actually studied craniosacral over 20 years ago uh, when I went back to massage school. And I find that working with the craniosacral rhythm of the brain and how the bones of the skull are kind of um, interacting with the eyes that sometimes you can reduce some of the double vision by increasing the movement of the cerebral spinal fluid and the bones in the skull. So I would recommend that uh, therapy as well. Okay, the last question uh, that I'm going to address today, uh, there's a, a man, he's 75 years old, he lives in California, and his question is, I was diagnosed with glaucoma, and what can I do to neutralize the eye pressure? I'm very worried that I'm beginning to lose my peripheral vision, even though my visual fields test came back normal. I'm worried that because my eye pressures are a little high, that this is going to cause damage to my optic nerve. Okay, so let's go into this question. This is a really good question. Let's say you do have uh, moderate to high eye pressure. Some things you want to take a look at would be, number one, the question I would ask myself is, how can I reduce the oxidative stress in my eyes, improve the blood flow in my eyes, Take a look at what pharmaceutical drugs I'm taking, which could actually cause the eye pressures to go up. What's the health of my thyroid gland? How much computer use am I doing? And to make sure that I'm building in some eye relaxation exercises, because the computer use can also drive the eye pressure up. Um, heavy metal toxicities, especially mercury, could also cause the eye pressures to elevate. If you're um, a woman and you're suffering estrogen deficiency, sometimes this can cause the eye pressures to go up. Obviously, uh, another one, and I've spoke about this in a, a video I did on Facebook, about the connection between Alzheimer's disease and glaucoma. So if you're suffering some cognitive um, deterioration, take a look at that relationship. And then finally, if you're a smoker, so in terms of the eye pressure, again, my recommendation would be to get yourself on some very high quality antioxidants. Um, I probably would uh, eliminate gluten, dairy, sugar, um, soy, um, those kinds of allergens. I would increase my probiotics because again, 
the, the gut inflammation can definitely affect the eye inflammation and part of glaucoma could be related to an eye inflammation situation. It's really important to protect your optic nerve. It's, that's like the, the number one key thing that you want to do. So you want to make sure you're getting a lot of fats in your diet, coconut oil, omega-3 fish oil, all your nuts and seeds, avocados, you know, getting all of those fats that helps the optic nerve and also helps the brain. Uh, I would also consider things like acupuncture, craniosacral therapy. Uh, these are things that could help increase the circulation, the blood flow, the cerebral spinal fluid. You know, there's some research out there that says now that, that some types of glaucoma could originate in the brain. So that if we can improve the brain circulation, that that actually will help the eye circulation. If we can reduce the inflammatory response, if we can in increase the oxygenation and hydration in the eyes, then I think we have a good chance of neutralizing some of the things that go on with eye pressure. Wow, so these are wonderful questions. Keep them coming. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to address these. I know people are asking, uh, what can I do to help improve my eyes, my brain, my body? And we have to realize that our eyes are an interrelated, interconnected part of our bodies and that... Um, the eyes are kind of like a portal that when we look in there, we can sort of see the future of what's going on in our systemic and metabolic health. So when we get these signals in our eyes, it's actually really positive because then we can take that information that the doctor has given us and we can start applying some of these natural principles to help keep our eyes healthy. Well, that's my show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Take good care. And until next time, be well. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.